6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It's 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 o'clock at night in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it is a return to the Dark Ages. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants, he says in his most matter-of-fact voice. Uh, <laughs> what else have we got? Okay, we got to mute that. Let's see. Dump that. Do I look tired tonight? I do, and there's a reason for that. I am tired tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome in, first of all, to all of our viewers live across four different platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Rumble.com, and thank you for those of you who are catching us live. And thank you to those who are watching the video later on, because you can watch it anytime you like. All 161 episodes are up there on Rumble, on Facebook, on YouTube. Twitch, not so much, but, you know, Twitch is what Twitch is. And, of course, our podcast listeners that continue to grow, thank you for the subscriptions and the downloads uh, all across the U.S., the U.K., India, uh, the, those good folks listening in on Geo7, and uh, let's see, New Zealand, Australia. I was just looking at the numbers a couple of days ago, and they're fantastic. Thank you for your downloads. Remind you, as always, that a lot of what we do is kind of visual, so if you want to see what we're talking about, please do go over to Rumble or YouTube or wherever and watch the video of the show. It's the same show, it's just the audio portion only, and... Um, it's up there. Maybe uh, we put it up about 10 minutes after our live show is completed. Uh, so thank you for your likes and subscribes and uh, follows. We really do appreciate it. Okay, why am I tired? Because I got no sleep last night at all. And the old man got no nap today. Oh. Yeah. No, I don't know why. I, I woke up. I didn't get to sleep until maybe two in the morning. I went to bed at midnight. I didn't get to, to actually fall asleep till maybe two. I woke up at three, three o'clock, I think, wide awake and hungry as hell. So I went downstairs, uh, made a sandwich, and, and then uh, went back to bed, woke up again about 4.30, and was up from 4.30 to 6. I finally crashed on the couch downstairs at like 6, 6.30 and woke up around 9.00. So I had maybe, what, three, four hours of scattered sleep. It was horrible. And uh, it was just, I have no idea why. It was absolutely insane. It was not a night for sleeping last night. However, Miko managed to sleep through the whole night at the foot of our bed, of course. And uh, let me give you a little update on what she had to do today. Miko Update. Miki, Miki, Miki. Go update. Yeah, uh, Miko update. Before we talk about Miko specifically, I want to show you this. NHK World did a show tonight. I posted a link on my Facebook page 
Uh, and it's very cool. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but it just happened. And I watched this tonight while we were having dinner. We were playing this in the background. It was live. And it was a great report on the history, the background, the DNA, the lineage, the saving of the Shiba Inus that almost went extinct uh, back in the 30s and 40s. And uh, it fantastic program. It should still be on NHK in a replay. So dig around. I, I can't give you a direct link, but you'll find it there. And uh, it's NHK World. Uh, a lot of what they do is free, not behind paywalls. So if you can, please do uh, do check that out because it was a great show. If you want to know more about uh, Shiba Inus, uh, it's a fantastic resource for it right there. All right. Um, Miko and her paw rents went to uh, City Park today. And man, it was loaded. All the Shiba friends were there. Uh, she got a chance to say hi to Chuko, Mochi, Uni, Mocha, and Yuki. They were all there. And uh, here are some photographs of our day with Miko. And I'm, you can't see it in this picture, but you will no doubt see it in some of the other ones. Maybe this is before she did her romp in the mud. In the middle of this off-leash area, it's fenced in so the dog can actually interact and get off-leash. But there's one spot that's always covered in mud. It's always wet there. And there. <laughs> this is one of the... I forget the names of all these dogs, except, of course, our own. But look at this mess. Look, look at the mud on this dog. And this was the one who would go over and lay right down in it. This one and this one here. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think that's a Shiba. It has a bit of Shiba markings. But anyway, take a look. Look at that. Imagine having to clean that mess up. Now, Miko did manage to get, uh, when she went running, none of these pictures show her muddy, but she got some on the back of her paws here, on the, on the rear paws and the front paws, and a little bit on her butt. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, the place, look at that. Look at the mud everywhere it was a great time though she had a fantastic time playing around with all the other uh, all the other shibas at uh, city park in uh, banda utama uh, a lot of fun great spot here in malaysia uh, desa park city is one that we go to and then also uh, city park is another cool spot all right moving up and onward and uh, to our top story tonight after a coffee break our headline story we have, we have a problem with racism in Malaysia. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you're not supposed to talk about it. It's the biggest untalked about thing that's actually true. We have an enormous uh, racism problem in this country. It's, it pervades every aspect of life from top to bottom. It's sad. You're constantly seeing ads in the paper for rental opportunities. Now, look, if you're in America, you're going to listen to this and you're going to go, no way, that's not possible. Because in America, it's actually against the law. You can go to jail, okay? Here, it's standard operating procedure. Chinese female only. Whatever. I mean, not to pick on Chinese females, but you'll, you'll see ads like that all the time, renting properties. Or they'll find some cute way, you know, Mandarin speaking only. Mm. 
take and then people complain because tenants leave their rented homes in the most unbelievable conditions look i rent i don't own property i rent i've always rented i pay my rent on time i take incredibly good care of the rental property. I totally respect the owners. This isn't a, a pat on the back. Oh, aren't I'm a wonderful guy. It's what you're supposed to do. It's what normal, responsible adults do. They take care of things that aren't theirs, that they're renting. I'm sort of a handyman, so I'm not one of those tenants that every time, you know, there's a leak at the faucet, you call up the landlord, hey, come fix this, come fix that, come fix it. If I can fix it myself, I fix it myself. Hey, if it's a big deal, I had a part of a porch roof collapse once. Obviously, that's a way above and beyond both my pocketbook and my expertise. So that was something the landlord, of course, had to get involved in. But if it's some minor little thing, I fix it myself. It's easier. I don't need to bother the landlord. You know, you take care of things. Take a look at this. The link's in our show notes tonight in the description down below. This from World of Buzz. Tenant from hell leaves rental Selangor house. That's the state that I live in, in fact. Uh, with broken beds, heaps of trash, and an awful stench. Take a look again if you're listening to the podcast sorry check out the video or the link in our show notes look at this pigsty this is how this tenant i hesitate to even call him a, a tenant this is how this animal left the apartment they rented look at the garbage and i'm guessing probably some of that's food garbage unbelievable Common knowledge, the article says that when we rent a place, we take care of it, or we'll be spending a lot of time there, of course. A property agent by the name of Alex, name changed to protect the identity, had written into World of Buzz about a tenant he had. He said the tenant rented a studio apartment for a duration of three months, and in that time, apparently not one time from the looks of these pictures, did they ever clean anything. Says in the quote here, in my many years of working in this industry, I have never seen anyone make a mess this big before. I don't even know how they slept. Look at this. These pictures are unbelievable. We're not sure how they slept either, the article says. It uh, looks like the bed frame has been broken in one of the pictures. Mountains of garbage. And again, I can't even imagine the stench. In this, look at this. Here's another angle. Just piles of crap everywhere. Uh, the rental was a thousand two hundred ringgit a month, which is quite cheap for a whole unit. Um, it was a lost clause. Uh, cause they didn't even try talking to them. They just resigned themselves to cleaning up the place so they could rent it again. But uh, look at that. There's a look into, I don't know, it looks like maybe what, what might be, oh man, I don't even want to see the bathroom. <laughs> this is the hallway, it looks like, leading into the bathroom, I guess. This is just unbelievable. To tenants out there, please take care of your rented rooms or houses like they're your own. Actually, yes, well said, uh, both to that realtor agent 
and uh, and world of buzz for covering this because these are the kind of people who give renters a bad name. I don't know what was in this moron's head, but it is it is frightening. Check, please do. I encourage you to check out the link on World of Buzz and take a look at these pictures. Because, and you know, this applies. This is a Malaysian story, but it applies wherever you may be. I don't care if you're renting a flat in London or Australia or the U.S. Wherever, it doesn't matter. Take care of your rental properties, man. This is it's disgusting, unbelievable. I love Malaysia. All right. Malaysia, who tries to get into, you know, the 20th century, it just trying, fights to eke our way into the 20th century, and somehow we just keep missing. Maybe one way that we keep missing is because we have an enormous amount of people who actually believe in magicians. No, I mean, not, you know, not like, you know, David Blaine magic. I mean people who claim they actually can do magic and conjure spirits. They're called bomos here. It's a Malay word. Uh, the exact translation, I don't know, but it's it's kind of a witch doctor is the closest thing I can maybe say. Uh, to this day because I'm in the film and television business content development, um, we do shoots. And some old school production people still believe, in my opinion, stupidly so. I know I'm going to piss people off, but I really don't care. You're a moron. They actually go out and hire these fools and pay them, in some cases, a lot of money to come and, you know, shake some herbs and burn some incense and pray to the rain gods to move the clouds away. And every time I make an argument with one of these people about it, they go, oh no, I had a rainy day that the, the, the rain was there and the Bomo showed up and he did a few incantations and the clouds parted and the sun came out. It's called weather systems, people. The Bomo had squat nothing to do with it. They can't control the weather. There's no such thing as fairies, okay? Our unicorns or bomos. It's BS. We have one bomo here who is a little sue happy, so I have to step very lightly about what I say because he will sue anybody and everybody who says anything specifically about him. So I'm not going to make a comment except to share this article from uh, Malay Mail, who occasionally does a real piece of journalism. And uh, the religious deputy religious affairs minister has said that uh, this fellow... His ritual of warding off the floods contradicts Islamic teaching. That directly from the deputy religious affairs minister. By the way, again, if you're listening in another country, particularly the U.S. that I'm familiar with, where we have things in the U.S. like, you know, the government shall create no religion and stuff like that, here mm, doesn't exist, okay? We have a government department of religion uh, here. And uh, the religious affairs minister uh, has said this guy is uh, 
not following Islamic teachings. That's the article. Please check it out. I'm not going to say much because I can't afford a lawyer. And this moron, did I just say that? Yeah, I did. This moron sues everybody. So there you go. Let me just give you, this is a Google search or a Bing.com search. Uh, I think this was the one where he was looking for MH370 through a couple of bamboo poles. Uh, Here's uh, something where he's shaking coconuts or something. I don't know. You know what? I'm not going to waste any more time on this guy. Uh, Just trust me. As we try to build these, you know, giant second tallest building in the world skyscraper to corruption and, uh, you know, uh, oh, look at us. We're high tech and we're, you know, we're woohoo 2022. And we have a guy looking through bamboo sticks to try and find a missing aircraft. I think I'll just leave it at that. Okay, what else we got? Uh, Oh, (laughs) this kind of fits in with what the last thing we talked about. Oh, man. Uh, Noor Sajat, who is a uh, wonderful woman who was uh, mistreated badly here in Malaysia, and uh, she wound up for her own protection, taking off to, I forget where she went, but she wound up in Australia, and applied for a protective uh, residency there, whatever it is, whatever you call it. Uh, and uh, they gave her, uh, I don't know, a PR or some sort of permission to stay. Because if she was to return to Malaysia, she would have been uh, badly mistreated. She was already badly mistreated when she was here. But anyway, she was a hugely successful cosmetic and businesswoman uh, here in Malaysia. And she is about to become a hugely successful businesswoman and cosmetic sales lady in Australia. Bringing all the money into Australia. Good on you. Anyway, there's an article here in World of Buzz. Again, thank you, World of Buzz. Check out the link in our show notes. And it says, who wants to work with me? Noor Sajat officially launches a new business in Australia, and she is hiring. There's a record of registration for business names and, uh, yeah, cosmetics. Uh, Noor Sajat Legacy Cosmetics. So she's not only set up business, but she's got a big enough business down there that she can hire people. So if you are in Australia and you would like, check out the link in our show notes. Uh, I don't know if there's a contact, a way to get a hold of her, but she is looking for uh, looking for people to join her company. And uh, I guess she's in Sydney. Yeah. So check out the link. A promise is a promise, y'all. Team Sajant will be spreading our wings in Australia. I am very grateful to my team in Australia. Good on you. Ha! Fantastic. We love these stories. Success stories. Someone who, uh, who does the right thing and has a tremendous amount of success. Nice to hear once in a while, huh? <laughs> While the politicians keep bickering back and forth. And that's a brilliant segue into this next little video. You're going to love this. It's very short. It's very short. It's like one minute, less than a minute. But my friend Zachary made this post. It's a public post, so I'm not giving away any family secrets here. 
but this is classic. You got to see this. There's, there's no sound. It's just music. So don't worry about that. But, and again, it's purely visual. So for our podcast listeners, I'm sorry, check out the link in our show notes tonight in our description down below. You'll find it there. This is so cute. Take a look at this dog who is eating and what happens and then how they label the dogs. Watch closely. Here we go. Start fighting over the food and the other dog sneaks up and then watch. <laughs> so while the voters are fighting over the food, the politician sneaks in and eats the food. <laughs> That's how it works, folks. Get them fighting each other. They won't be watching you sneaking all their food at the bowl. I thought that was brilliant. Thank you, Zachary, for sharing that. It's very, very cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Little, little comic relief for you there. Classic, classic. Share that with your friends, would you? It's, again, the link is in our show notes tonight. You can check it out there. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, man. All right, what do we got? We got more and more? We got one before we get to our book, Tom Sawyer, tonight. Oh, yeah, very cool. You remember Zane, Zane Azrai, who was on our, our show, a guest on our show, talking about screenwriting and a bunch of other crap. You can watch the episode uh, a couple episodes ago. Um, he posted this, and this is the original poster, uh, Alanis Marco, who put this up. This is one of those hmm moments. So if you believe in, in BOMOs, maybe this will mean something to you too. But check this out. When Hurricane Ike hit Houston in 2008, this house was left standing. This is the only house that was left standing after, look at that. Everything around here is completely flattened from this hurricane, except this house, which to me looks virtually untouched. Everything else demolished in the hurricane. This is the same house where an exorcism took place 10 years earlier. So that would have been 1998. 10 years earlier, 98, an exorcism took place at that house. 10 years later, 2008, Hurricane Ike hits Houston, and that's all that's left standing. <laughs> I know. I can't go high enough anymore to do the Twilight Zone thing. <laughs> How weird is that? Seriously, uh, that's just strange. If you just if you want to see, it's just that's it. That's the whole post. If you want to see it, I did put the link in our description, our show notes tonight. So if you want, you can uh, check it out there. Freaky. All right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're going. To literature. <laughs> As you know, a part of what we do at the end of every show, we've been doing it from the beginning, 161 episodes, is we read a portion of a classic book, chapter by chapter, till we get to the end, and then we start a new one. As I've said a thousand times, I'll say again for any new listeners, we've done The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, you name it. We, we've done a ton of books around Christmas time. We did, uh, we did The Christmas Carol and Truman Capote's Christmas Memory. And we just started on Tom Sawyer, uh, the original uh, 
Adventures of Tom Sawyer uh, by Mark Twain. And as you know, Mark Twain wrote this in 1876. Um, It was one of the very first novels ever to be entirely written on a typewriter, which is rather cool. And uh, the book was actually a failure when it first was published. But then his follow-up, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, became a huge success. And based on that, people then started buying Tom Sawyer. And that also became one of the all-time best-selling novels ever. Now, before we, we, we ended up halfway through chapter four in our last stream, so we're going to pick it up halfway through chapter four. But I do, I always mention this because in today's ridiculous, idiotic, politically correct world, this is called covering my ass, okay? This was written in 1876. Some words, while appropriate at the time, today are considered vulgar. We are reading exactly what is written the way it was originally written and intended to be read. So, if that offends you, you've been warned. But we are reading exactly the words that Mark Twain typed out on his little typewriter. Here we go. And it is halfway through chapter four. We were at church when we left. (coughs) Excuse me. A good part of the whispering, had been occasioned by an event which was more or less rare, the entrance of visitors. Lawyer Thatcher, accompanied by a very feeble and aged man, a fine, portly, middle-aged gentleman with long gray hair, and a dignified lady who was doubtless the latter's wife. The lady was leading a child. Tom had been restless, with full of chafings and repinnings, conscious smitten, too. He, he couldn't meet Amy Lawrence's eye. He could not brook her loving gaze. But when he saw the small newcomer, his soul was all ablaze with bliss in a moment. The next moment, he was showing off with all his might, cuffing boys, pulling hair, making faces, in a word, using every art that seemed likely to fascinate a girl and win her applause. He exultation had but one alloy, the memory of his humiliation in this angel's garden, and that record in sand was fast washing out under the waves of happiness that were sweeping over it now. The visitors gave the highest seat of honor, And as soon as Mr. Walter's speech was finished, he introduced them to the school. The middle-aged man turned out to be a prodigious personage, no less a one than a county judge, altogether the most august creation these children had ever looked upon. And they were wondered what kind of material he was made of. They half wanted to hear him roar and were half afraid he might, too. He was from Constantinople, 25 miles away. So each had traveled and seen the world. These very eyes had looked upon the country courthouse, which was said to have a tin roof. The awe which these reflections inspired was attested to by the impressive silence and the ranks of staring eyes. This was the great Judge Thatcher, 
brother of their own lawyer, Jeff Thatcher, immediately went forward to be familiar with the great man and... Give me a second here. Jeff Thatcher immediately went forward to be familiar with the great man and be envied by the school. It would have been music to his soul to hear the whisperings. Look at him, Jim. He's a-going up there. Say, look, he's a-going to shake hands with him. He is shaking hands with him. By jings, don't you wish it was you, Jeff? Mr. Walters fell to showing off with all sorts of official bustlings and activities, giving orders, delivering judgments, discharging direction here, there, and everywhere that he could find a target. The librarian showed off, running hither and thither with his arms full of books and making a big deal of the splutter and fuss that insect authorities delight in. The young lady teachers showed off, bending sweetly over pupils that were lately being boxed, lifting pretty warning fingers at bad little boys and patting good ones lovingly. The young gentlemen teachers showed off with small scoldings and other little displays of authority and fine attention to discipline. And most of the teachers of both sexes found business up at the library by the pulpit, and it was business that frequently had to be done over and again two or three times with much seeming vexation. The little girls showed off in various ways, and the little boys showed off with such diligence that the air was thick with paper wads and murmurs of scufflings. And above it all, the great man sat and beamed a majestic judicial smile upon all the house, and warmed himself in the sun of his own grandeur, for he was showing off too. There was only one thing wanting to make Mr. Walter's ecstasy complete, and that was a chance to deliver a Bible prize and exhibit a prodigy. Several pupils had few yellow tickets, but none had enough, and he had been around among the star pupils inquiring. He would have given worlds now to have that German lad back again with a sound mind. And now, at this moment, when hope was dead, Tom Sawyer came forward with nine yellow tickets, nine red tickets, and ten blue ones, and demanded a Bible. This was a thunderbolt out of a clear blue sky. Walters was not expecting an application from this source for the next ten years, but there was no getting around it. Here were the certified checks, and they were good for their face. Tom was therefore elevated to a place where the judge and the others elect, and the great news was announced from headquarters. It was the most stunning surprise of the decade, and so profound was the sensation that it lifted the new hero up to the judicial one's altitude, and the school had two marvels to gaze 
upon in place of one. The boys were all eaten up with envy, but those that suffered the bitterest pangs were those who perceived too late that they themselves had contributed to this hated splendor by trading tickets to Tom for the wealth he'd amassed in selling whitewashing privileges. These despised themselves for being the dupes of a wily fraud, a guyful snake in the grass. The prize was delivered to Tom with as much effusion as the superintendent could pump up under the circumstances. But it lacked somewhat of the true gush, for the poor fellow's instincts taught him that there was a mystery here that could not well bear the light, perhaps. It was simply preposterous that this boy had warehoused 2,000 sheaves of scriptural wisdom on his premises. A dozen would strain his capacity without a doubt. Amy Lawrence was proud and glad. She tried to make Tom see it in her face, but he wouldn't look. She wondered. Then she was just a grain troubled. Next, a dim suspicion came and went, came again. She watched a furtive glance toward her worlds, and then her heart broke, and she was jealous and angry, and the tears came, and she hated everybody. Tom, most of all, she thought. Tom was introduced to the judge, but his tongue was tied, his breath would hardly come, and his heart quaked, partly because the awful greatness of the man, but mainly because he was her parent. He would have liked to fall down and worship him if it were in the dark. The judge put his hand on Tom's head and called him a fine little man and asked him what his name was. The boy stammered, gasped, and finally got it out. Tom! Oh, no, not Tom, it is. Thomas! Ah! That's it. I thought there was more to it, maybe. Well, it's very well, but you've another one, I dare say. You'll tell it to me, won't you? Tell the gentleman your other name, Thomas, said Walters, and say, sir, you mustn't forget your manners. Thomas Sawyer, sir. That's it. That's a good boy, fine boy, fine, manly little fella. Two thousand verses is a great many, very, very great many. And you never can be sorry for the trouble you took to learn them. For knowledge is worth more than anything there is in the world. It's what makes great men and good men. You'll be a great man and a good man yourself some day, Thomas. Then you'll look back and say... It's all owing to the precious Sunday school privileges of my boyhood. It's all owing to my dear teachers that taught me to learn. It's all owing to the good superintendent who encouraged me and watched over me and gave me a beautiful Bible, a splendid, elegant Bible, to keep and have for my own always. It's all owing to right bringing up. That is what you'll say, Thomas, 
and you wouldn't take any money for those 2,000 verses. No, indeed, you would not. And now you wouldn't mind telling me and this lady some of the things that you've learned, sir. I know you wouldn't, for we're proud of little boys that learn. Now, no doubt you know the names of all the twelve disciples. Would you tell us the names of the first two that were appointed? Tom was tugging at a buttonhole and looking sheepish. He blushed now, and his eyes fell, and Mr. Walter's heart sank with him. He said to himself, it is not possible that the boy can answer the simplest question. What did the judge ask him? Yet he felt obliged to speak up and say, answer the gentleman, Thomas. Don't be afraid. Tom still hung fire. Now, I know you'll tell me, said the lady. The names of the first two disciples were David and Goliath. Let us draw the curtain of charity over the rest of this scene. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Mark Twain actually wrote that. Let us draw the curtain of charity over this scene. <laughs> That's the brilliant works, of course, of Mark Twain from 1876, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. We'll move on to Chapter 5 in our next live stream. That's it, folks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast, subscribing, downloads, all that good stuff. And thanks for the likes, follows, and subscriptions on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com, where you can find all our episodes. I will see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yo.